You thought you'd gotten rid of us, didn't you? But you were wrong, old Bean. Because we're back with a vengeance. Good sight for Queen, our son. From studios in Hollywood, California, rural southern Indiana, and the hinterlands of North Dakota, this is the Live, Laugh, Golf Podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Desert Duffer, OTB Lefty, and Jay Score. Folks, welcome back to the pod. Desert Duffer here along with Jay Score. Hello, sir. Hello. How are you doing? And OTP Lefty in Bedford. How are you, buddy? Great, man. Good evening. Because we've got lots to talk about tonight, I know I'm going to be disappointing some of you. I want to tell you right now, we're not going to get to discuss Jay Score's Vegas escapades. And we're not at all going to talk about the PGA Tour's net lift clean and play Super Bowl, the Tour Championship this week. I can tell you Scotty Scheffler is still in the lead after two rounds. Max Homa shot a 62 and John Rahm shot a 63. But that's not what we're going to talk about tonight. Just before we decided to start recording in the Northern District of California, the lawsuit formerly known as the Live Golf Player Lawsuit will henceforth be known as the Live Golf Lawsuit because the amended complaint in that case was filed and Live Golf the Tour is now a plaintiff. Along with Live Golf being added as a plaintiff, four of the player plaintiffs have withdrawn from the lawsuit. Those four players are Carlos Ortiz, Pat Perez, Abe Anser, and Jason Kokrak. So the lawsuit now has seven players and the tour. And this means all the players, as far as we know, are now at the table. Live Golf and PGA Tour Golf are embroiled in litigation in federal court in California. As far as the claims go, not too much different. I think the key here is that now that Live the Tour is involved in the lawsuit. They're no longer being pled just as a monopsony complaint. Remember, monopsony is a buy-side monopoly complaint. Instead, now the Live Golf Tour has pleaded a traditional monopoly claim saying that the PGA Tour has controlled and monopolized and continues to attempt to monopolize the market in the United States for production of elite pro golf tournaments. And so Live Golf has now pleaded Section 1 and Section 2 claims under the Sherman Act, remember we said Section 1 claim alleges a conspiracy or an agreement to restrain trade, and a Section 2 claim is a single actor attempt to monopolize. Just read the complaint, skimmed it. I don't have too much to say about it right now, but we are now all at the table. We do now have the big boys ready to play in the Northern District of California. It looks like live is happy or at least prepared to stay in that court, even though, as as it looks to me, Judge Freeman is not a particularly plaintiff-friendly judge. That's where the lawsuit's going to take place for now. I, you know, I, I'm going to defer to the smart attorneys on Twitter to unpack this one for me. But uh, at the end of the day, I got to say, I'm just hoping Coke and Pepsi can, can coexist and, and we can find a way to benefit the fans after all this is said and done. JT, I know you were you were really anxious for Live Golf to tour the investment company, the corporation, to get involved in this litigation. Do you feel vindicated? Is this a this a special day? This is something you've been waiting for. Yes, I think it's good, and it also enhances the branding and enhances the profile as we go. Um, as the players sue the tour, they look like henchmen, villains, workers, worker bees, whatever. <laughs> And now we've got a, a real piece of litigation between two mighty powers doing battle. 
Worthy adversaries. Through my quick, yeah, through my quick skim, and I posted some of this on Twitter, and please follow us on Twitter. That's at Live Laugh Golf. In the complaint, Live Golf alleges that not only have they been ha- harmed and not only have the players been harmed, but also consumers have been harmed, specifically consumers of TV golf. They've been deprived of the opportunity to see live events on broadcast television, and they've also been deprived of the opportunity to watch players like DJ and Phil and Brooks participate in PGA Tour events. So there's harm to not only competition, uh, but also consumers, which courts do look to. They also, one of the things that I found noteworthy in this amended complaint is the defense that is expected, or one of the defenses that is expected to be raised by the PGA Tour is that the pro-competitive justification of what they've done in having this exclusive media rights provision and the requirement for getting waivers to play in conflicting events is to prevent players from free riding on the work that the PGA Tour has done in in building the brand. And one of the arguments that I think makes a lot of sense, at least on its face from Live Golf, is that these are, are spurious, maybe pretextual defenses in light of some of these rules that apply to even college players who have never even been a member of the PGA Tour. So a lot to look out for. There was discussion of the funding, you know, the Live Golf having Saudi funding for the corporation. The Live Tour is bringing up the fact already in this amended complaint that the PGA Tour does a lot of business with businesses who have a lot of investment in Saudi Arabia. And so this isn't really what it was all about either. It was really always about squashing nascent competition and extending the monopoly. So good times ahead in the litigation in Northern California. Right. Did, did they mention the impact that the PGA Tour had on what Liv had to pay or was, you know, I guess happy yeah, to absolutely. pay guarantees? Yeah. And that, that's going to be, I, I think that's one of the reasons that Liv probably felt it had to enter the lawsuit at this time. Because one of the things that uh, Judge Freeman talked about in denying the TRO that the players had sought was she was having difficulty seeing that the players were harmed in any way as she had seen their contracts and they seemed to be making more money than they ever had on the PGA Tour, it looked like it was going to be hard for her to understand how the players who were the only plaintiffs and had pled this monopsony complaint were being harmed at all. So it was kind of a scenario where Liv felt like it had to get into the fray because they had clear harm that they can express. First of all, they had to delay starting the league play as they wanted it to be because players backed out when the PGA threatened their bans. And they've also pleaded that they've been forced to pay exorbitant fees, guaranteed fees to players to persuade them to come over and play because of the risk those players felt that they had that ultimately proved to be well-founded that the PGA Tour was not going to allow them to play anymore if they went over to live. So it's resulted in massively increased costs in barriers to entry into getting into the market. So Right on. Any yeah, a, lot, a lot of claims there. Any impact to the dates that were set last week or that were discussed with them coming on? No, no. The trial date? No. Right. I mean, there might be. As I said last week, the, these schedules often change. And if it turns out that this is going to make discovery considerably more burdensome, surely you can expect the PGA Tour to come back and say, we want 
more time. We, we need, need more time. time. We thought we were just going to have more to get time. discovery from these players. Now we have this massive corporation and who They're knows how, who's funding everywhere. it. And, and it's going to take us so much longer. Judge, please give us more time. So I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. But on its face, no, it wouldn't. It won't automatically change the trial dates. Okay, Rad. So there's that. That just happened. That's big news. But the really big news in pro golf this week was, of course, the changes to the PGA Tour announced by the Tour's nominal commissioner, Jay Monahan, who has been relegated to what is essentially a ceremonial position as the Tour's figurehead, controlled by the true power behind the throne, Tiger Woods and his sidekick, little Lord Rory McIlroy. At his press conference Tuesday, Monahan announced what the golf media has characterized as sweeping changes. I'm not so sure how sweeping they are, but nonetheless, Monahan announced that beginning next season, there will be 12 elevated events on the PGA Tour, averaging more than $20 million in prize money. I recall that just two months ago at the Travelers Championship, Monahan announced purse increases to eight events that ranged from a $15 million purse at the Century Tournament of Champions to $25 million at the Players' Championship. Now, at the time, Monahan said the increases would be funded by sponsor support and supplemented in the short term by operating reserve. That is, he made it very clear this was not coming from the new TV contract, and he was still looking for some of this money. Jay also said at that time that announcing those massive purse increases back in June, that he couldn't and wouldn't get into a prize money arms race with Live Golf. Let me be clear. I am not naive. If this is an arms race, and if the only weapons here are dollar bills... The PGA Tour can't compete. Well, it sure looks like the arms race is on because in addition to those eight events, Monaghan announced that the PGA Tour would be elevating four more as yet undetermined events to average at least $20 million per tournament. According to the tour, these four tourneys will add an incremental $46 million to what was previously announced to the purse level. And in addition to that, the tour is now upping the player impact program or PIP from the $40 million that it was last year, much of which was paid to players now on the live golf tour. And from the previously announced $50 million that it was expected to be this year to another $50 million to a total of $100 million now to be played to 20 players with 15 million of that money to be given to tiger. I mean, given to whomever finishes first in the pit. But there's a catch. To receive the pit money, these top 20 players, now known as the top player posse, need to commit to playing every one of these elevated events, as well as the FedEx Cup playoffs and the majors, if qualified, as well as three additional PGA Tour events of their choosing for a total of 20 events. There was absolutely no indication from Jay how exactly that would play out if a player missed some of these tournaments, either because of injury or because he simply chose not to play. For example, there's Tiger, who previously said he'll probably only be playing majors and will almost certainly finish first in whatever nebulous qualifications determine the PIP winner. Will Tiger receive a prorated share of the $15 million, or is it all or nothing? And if some or all of that money is forfeited, does it go back into the PGA Tour reserves or does it get redistributed down the PIP list? And then there are the European players who are currently required to play at least four times on the DP World Tour to maintain their membership and their Ryder Cup eligibility. John Rahm himself, after his round today, seemed shocked to discover 
that he was going to be required to participate in all 20 events. Well, we have to play all of them. If we have to play all those 20, then yeah, 100%. I wouldn't be surprised if that changes. If I go play in Europe in the fall like I'm going to, I have to play from January till August 20 times. Uh, I think this is my 17th from January, and I don't think I could add any more. So John Rahm seemingly was surprised to hear that he's going to have to uh, play 20 events. So much for the unanimity coming out of that meeting. So that's the PIP and the elevated events. But wait, there's more. The tour is also introducing what it's calling the earnings assurance program that will function essentially as a tour minimum. All fully exempt players that make at least 15 starts will be guaranteed at least $500,000 a year. Tour rookies and newly returning members will be awarded the 500k up front and will play to draw against that advance. All other exempt players who finish the season having earned less than that amount will be paid the difference. This program will replace the Play 15 program announced last year that paid $50,000 to every tour member that played at least 15 events. And finally, the tour announced what it's calling a travel stipend program, which is for non-fully exempt members, that is, players in the 125 to 150 range on the prior year's FedEx standings and below. These players will receive a $5,000 allowance for every missed cut. OTP Lefty. Yes, sir. What do you think of the elevated events? Are they good for fans? Are they good for players? Are they going to crush live golf? It's great for the players that are in there now compared to what they had. A lot of discussion about you know how it compares to, to what the live product was. It's still not the same because they're going to play a game where they're going to have 100 people in there. You can count on that. The old habits die hard. Um, those 20, 30 guys have guaranteed they're going to show up. But they're going to expand those fields uh, for fans, for corporate hospitality, for all of that stuff. Who knows if that's better? I don't see how the the smaller events aren't going to get poorer. I don't see how I don't see how top loading. Who's going to watch? Why would why would somebody pay money to go attend one of those events? Yes. Why would big- somebody spend a, a a nice weekend afternoon on the couch? watching that on TV. Okay. The big, the big catch was this weekend, we had an example of this event, right? We had heightened purse. We had a limited field. We had no cut and nobody watched it. Right. Well, no, no, that see, that's a different, that's a different question altogether. That's, that's, those are the elevated events. My question is who's going to watch the other events, the yeah. ones that don't have the 20 best players in the I, I, oh, the, no the 3M, the 3M is in my backyard and I don't pay attention to it now and i'm certainly not going to pay attention to it when the top 20 guys are obviously going to skip it because they're it's going to be a challenge to just have them fit 20 events into their schedule let alone sprinkle in any of these other events in flyover country right so remember the players in the top 20 of the pip will have to play the 12 elevated events and then they'll have to choose three other regular tour events in addition to the majors and the playoffs so there will be a smattering of these top players in these regular events, but there will be fewer of them than normally we've seen over the years. So instead of maybe a tournament in which you get Rory and Spieth and Scheffler, you're just going to get one of them, just just one out of <laughs> you know one player from the top ten in every tournament, and it's going to be a hard sell to get people to watch. I think, frankly, I, I want to say this because I get a lot of crap on Twitter, people telling me that I hate every idea that the PGA Tour comes up with. 
I got to be honest with you, as a fan, if the tour can pull this off, I love it. If all of these players really are committed to play every event, I think it's fantastic because it means I know exactly which events are worth my time. And there are going to be no more than 12 of them. I don't have to figure out which four of the top 20 players are going to be playing in Houston. I will know every field except for those 12 will be terrible. And I can go out and enjoy the Southern California sunshine that weekend. So for me, it's great. But I do question whether they can pull it off. I mean, like I said, we know Tiger's not playing 12 or probably even two of these events. And I've got to believe he's going to collect his $15 million one way or another. How many other players are going to start coming down with phantom illnesses or injuries when they learn it's not so much a requirement as a request? We already heard Rom say he's maxed out at 17. I'm sure other Europeans are going to feel the same way. The very That's the very first thing, right? Because if they're going to play in the first 14, if someone won four of the first, you know, they have to play these 12 plus the majors. So someone gets really, really hot, wins four tournaments and the British Open and says, I'm done for the year. I'm good. What are you going to do? He's the player of the year. He's the number one player in the world. And he says, I'm tired. I've, I've well, won- that, see, that, that's one of the other questions. There's nothing you can do. This isn't a, this isn't a requirement, right? It, it doesn't sound as though the PGA Tour can penalize these players if they don't play the 20 events. The penalty is not getting their PIP money. And that's a big question to me too, because even though this is $100 million, it's, tw- it's being split 20 ways. And we know first place is worth $15 million. So presumably second place is probably around 12, third is around 10. So the bottom guys are probably going to get $1 million or $2 million. If you go on a run like that, that you're talking about, are you really worried about the $1 or $2 million that you're entitled to at the end of the year, as long as you play 20 tournaments? No, of course not. So I don't know how much of a commitment this really is. You're the first person that's brought that up. And I appreciate that. Like there's, there's, this is an agreement or a commitment that they've made, but these 20 people have decided they're going to work together in a way they've never worked together before. And kumbaya and family yeah. and teamwork amongst players. I want to get this question out. Just It's a, it's a two-parter. So based on the concessions, let's call it, that the PGA Tour has made towards its top talent, was Phil right and does it matter? Well, I have answers to those and we can talk about them and I'll I'll give them to you now because I know I sometimes put you off. Yes, absolutely. Phil was right. It's very clear that Phil was right. He was right about several things. One of which is that the top players feel as though the bottom of the tour get paid too much money and they want to put an end to that. Well, that has been shown definitively by these changes. Okay. The players, you know, that leads me to some more questions I have about the fields for these 12 events. Jay was pretty unclear at his press conference, right? We heard Shipnuck in his report say that the idea came out of Delaware was that there were going to be limited field events with 60 or so entrants. Those are the best guys. But Monaghan at his press conference said that at least for the next season, the existing events were that were being elevated would remain full field events. But Golf Channel has reported that the top player faction wants them to be limited field, unsurprisingly. So yes, Phil was correct that these players want a bigger share of the cash and they've gotten it. They just got $50 million added to what was $40 million a year ago and $50 million a week ago. Okay. So we're up to $100 million for the 20 best players. Now we're increasing the purses for a small amount of events that they will definitely get into. And they're looking for even more of these events to be small field that only they will get into. So he was clearly right about that. 
Then we get to the other thing that I think he was right about, which is the PGA has sat on too big of a pot. The PGA Tour, sorry, I know people get very upset about that. I do understand that there's a difference between the PGA of America and the PGA Tour Inc. The PGA Tour has sat on a pile of money and it's been getting ever bigger over the last 10 20 years to the situation where now it has something like $1.2 billion in net assets. And Phil has been frustrated with that. And Phil has been frustrated understandably. Because think of this, this money has grown exponentially in the time that Phil and Tiger were on tour. It's not an exaggeration to say that they built that pile of money. And the question is, why is $75 million being put away every year, being put into investments or being put into a larger and larger pile of cash reserves, when that money is eventually going to be distributed somewhere down the line to somebody who didn't really earn it. The PGA Tour is not a university. It's not Harvard. It's not building an endowment so that future generations can create a better world. It's supposed to be distributing money to the players that have earned it. So I think Phil was absolutely right that the PGA Tour was sitting on this cash. And we've seen Jay, he said it on Tuesday, that they were dipping into the reserves to pay out this extra money. And he said it two months ago that they were dipping into the reserves to pay out this extra money. The question Phil had was, why wasn't it being done before then? Why is this now the emergency? Yeah, why are there why are there reserves that large to begin with? That none of that none of that makes any sense. It's way too much and it's not a mark of prudence. They have a continuous flow of money. They have that comes from all of these things and there's an annual renewal of things and they collect fees and that's part of it, what it's, that's part of the work. It's so ridiculous. It's part of the work that the employees do to keep it going. Like your, ta- your local taxing authority shouldn't have 12 years worth of tax money in the bank. It doesn't make a lot of sense. It's so ridiculous. And, and the golf media eats this up. Jay says, well, it's prudent to have working reserves because things like COVID happen. And if we hadn't had these reserves, who knows what we would have done during COVID. Jay says they had over $300 million in cash reserves. What on earth did he think they were need to they were going to need to spend 300 million dollars on you don't pay out prize money for tournaments that don't happen either the tournaments happen and you get paid by the network and you get paid by your sponsors and you pay it out or they don't but your operating reserves should just be enough to cover what's going on in that office of yours which i assure you 6 months worth worth of which is not 320 million dollars it's outrageous and by the way By the way, the Form 990 that the PGA Tour filed for the 2020 tax year showed a net profit that year during that very tough COVID year in which they needed those operating reserves, a net profit of over $50 million. So it's just absolutely absurd. And the fact that the golf media eats this up, whatever Jay says there, well, that makes sense to me. Yes, I do understand that businesses do need reserves for rainy days. Of course. Well, that makes all the sense in the world. And and by the way, only only $350 million of that $1.2 billion in net assets is in liquid cash. I mean, the, the rest is tied up in, in securities and real estate. I mean, come on. We can't give that to players. Yeah. What? One more quick one. One more quick one. Like, how how does this get, how does this impact the television deal? So, 
the the television deal was done in advance, so there was an expectation of persons they were going to pay and sponsorships they were going to need. Like so, the television heard- deal. As far as I understand, the television deal it's paid on a per tournament. Uh, a yearly basis with a minimum number of tournaments. I think they've had those tournaments allocated as between NBC and CBS. And that, that number is solid. It's somewhere around $700 million a year. I don't see this as changing anything as long as the PGA tour presents it's 45 or 47 or whatever the number of tournaments it was promised in the contract were. Okay, but I don't cool. know. So certainly none of us have seen the deal terms of that contract. There's positives everywhere you look. Limited field events make for fun handicapping because there are so many names that people recognize. And on the flip side of that coin, when there's a smaller event, it's a handicapper's delight because nobody knows what the right odds are for anyone. And nobody's paid any attention to anyone's form. And it's terrible for a punter. As a as a horse better, an occasional horse better. I love it. There's nothing worse than your your typical Friday afternoon at Santa Anita when you're you're, there are all these races with five horses in it. You want those big the the, (laughs) the triple crown events are the best when you've got 14 horses and you can make big money on long shots. It's the same thing with golf. Nobody wants to see, certainly not the 30-player fields of the kind we're looking at this weekend, and I don't think even really 60-player fields are optimal. I think for me, the sweet spot is around 100, 110 players maybe, but not the 160 that we get week in, week out now on the PGA Tour, and also not the 30 that we're seeing here in the Tour Championship. By the way, that's another thing that was reported two months ago. It was announced by Jay two months ago. Remember, we already have additional limited field events, again, proving Phil right. The tour championship will continue to be a 30-player event, but starting next year, the BMW will be a 50-player field, and the first event of the FedEx Cup playoffs, the St. Jude, will be only 70 players. So we're cutting out another 70 players from the bottom of the tour. And remember, starting in 2024, those 70 players will be the fully exempt players. And then after the tour championship, the fall events will be for the scrubs to battle for their tour card. Nobody's going to watch those either. We've got, we've got 12 events and we've got crap in front and crap at the end. And I, Man, I'm all on board for it. I'm, I just can't wait. I'm gonna. I've I've got like ten PGA Tour events. I know what to watch. I'll watch the majors. I'll watch live. It's gonna be fantastic. This is all worked out exactly how I'd hoped it would. Fewer tournaments, better fields. This is it. it yeah. It's all. It's all happening according to plan. One more yeah, thing I, I want to throw in it would be super fun. I'll get this in, Jesse, and I'll let I'll let you talk. But it would be really really fun if they like engineer those courses for the fall to like get the players they want that's the next conspiracy right we want more 275 yard drivers on this tour so we're going to play 6900 yard tight golf courses all fall long or something like that just silliness okay yeah i mean i again i'm like i I, i'm very excited to see the tour making these changes and creating events that are much more meaningful on tv I also just, I love the visual of Jay shaking some couch cushions and finding a hundred million there and a hundred million here to, to make these things work, which is, which is cool. I, they're sitting on a ton of, on a ton of cash. I don't quite understand all the, all the stuff going on there, 
But again, to be able to just know the Genesis is going to be deep with the field and the Arnold Palmer will be deep with the field is is good. It's good. It's it's going to be an improved product on TV, Um, even, you know, in spite of all the uh, production issues and things like that that we deal with as fans. But looking forward and to, again uh, and again we're totally lacking in details we, we don't know how big these fields are going to be we don't know which tournaments they're going to be there's been some talk that they could rotate each year they could be different tournaments the four additional elevated field events and it, it's wild i mean think about the century tournament of champions this is one of the original eight elevated fields right that's going to it's going to pay the winner $15 million or it's a $15 million purse for the century tournament champions. Nobody watches that. I mean, that well, I do because like, I do because it's, it's the golf season up beautiful. here. Hasn't started Kapalu yet, is amazing. It's, it's we all want to go watch. there. We all want to go there, but the ratings are awful every year, like under 2 million <laughs> viewers on Sunday. It's yeah, terrible. That, that tournament's you, for people like me up in the frozen North watching and, it going, Oh, wouldn't it be nice to go there? Just like me, Jay Score, same thing. I want to have a Mai Tai and just that dream about nice. warmer months to come. Yeah, um, so this year for the golf season on the horizon. Yeah, coming in So 20- the lack of details, it, it's wild to me that this plan, such as it is, has received like universal support in golf media from what I can tell. Like even with this glaring lack of details, because like I said, Monahan had already announced some pretty substantial changes. The tour is going to be scrapping the wraparound season. Everyone who doesn't make the top 70 will be fighting in the fall to try to keep their cards. And those 70 players were supposed to be battling it out in three or four international limited field, no cut $20 million events. That was two months ago he announced that. Nobody asked about whether that's still happening. They're so nimble. It's totally unclear to me whether those have been scrapped. Are we done with Europe? Uh, it doesn't sound like next year we're yeah. going to Europe. Jay said maybe the Scottish could be involved in this at fuel, some point. Fuel prices. I mean, he's flying by the seat of his pants. We're not flying uh, like transatlantic, transpacific in uh, Tiger Air when uh, yeah. gas prices <laughs> yeah. like this. Uh, no, we're going to be staying home. You guys, we're going to keep it close. But uh, again, Tiger's not playing in these events either. No. I mean, yeah. maybe so he'll show up. And, and Here's another question. Like, Monahan's doing this. Does he have any authorship at all? Because the the thing that never got mentioned through any of this stuff is like, can we leverage Tiger anymore on screen? Like oh, well, it never we'll came talk up. about that in a few minutes when we get to Top Golf. But yeah, we're, we're still talking about the the PGA Tour. Oh, right I now. do. Yeah, a couple, this a, is a separate thing. We're talking about the strategy of the PGA <laughs> Tour and trying to put this thing together. They thought, let's get Tiger on the screen a little bit. Let's figure out a way to get him to commit to being in tournaments. We can help out our television partners. We can do all that stuff. You know, I said the C word cart um, to a, a few people yeah. this week. Let's let's trot the guy out. I feel like I'm noticing a, a bit of a parallel, though, between what Jay says about things and the golf media just kind of nodding and smiling along like, OK, yeah, yeah. The, to, I feel like the same scene was in that room with Tiger up there talking and the the top player posse just collectively nodding along like yeah sure that that sounds good and then like john rom yeah, gets I mean, back I, and somebody's like are you gonna play in 20 tournaments plus four more yeah, John overseas? Rahm's and like, john's like what? wait a minute I, what i don't that because Tiger can said, you imagine what? being in it, it it's funny after seeing that interview you think about what really happened in that room in the hotel dupont in wilmington delaware last week right tiger flies in on his private jet you're Max Homa sitting in that room, and it's womp, 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 womp. And some guy from the rain group up there, he's got PowerPoint slides. He's talking about about 
private equity money ROI, and like baby. and then at the end tiger gets up there and he's in his plaid flannel and he says so we're all agreed right this sounds like a good idea and it's yeah tiger sure we all agree sure, yeah. yeah so the the media just reports it was unanimous hey and Duffer, this is what's amazing do you know, Duffer, do you know do you know anybody stubborn about their point of view can you think of anybody <laughs> Now, yeah. I, so yeah. this this strikes me. So when people get asked to join Live Golf, it's like you want to come under this umbrella, be part of this organization, part of this team, this movement. Like we're working for this startup and we're doing this thing. And this PGA Tour thing is a little bit like, and eh, Tiger told us we had to, so now we're gonna do it. Like, yeah, we've got a gun to our head, so then, now we're gonna and do then this. Every like, golf I, podcast just, says, "Well, this is it. This was the Live Killer." This is this is the one. They, the they figured it out. Decor. I'm like, they figured it out. They made Pip hundred million dollars split twenty ways, fifteen of which is going to Tiger. That means the bottom guy's getting like a million dollars, two million dollars. So a million dollars, two million dollars to commit to playing twenty tournaments is gonna stop him from taking fifty million dollar guarantee from Liv. And they can, by the way, Liv can double their Liv can make every purse double what they already have. They can make him forty million dollars, and that's not even—it's not even breaking a sweat. Like it's why is this the live killer? Why is this the one that? Well, man, if you're Max Homa, you can't turn this down. You're probably going to get a million dollars in pit money as long as you play these twenty events. Oh boy, I don't. Can he tweet under pressure? I don't know. <laughs> that, that's a whole other. That's a whole different thing. But, but yeah. I want to—I want to get back to this money. Where did the money come from? Right. So remember, Jay said that some of it came from reserves. But he also said that he was going to be speaking to his partners to look for other money. He said this both two months ago and on Tuesday. Remember, this is a $100 million drop yesterday, right? They, they're mm -hmm. raising purses by $46 million. They're adding 50 or 60 to uh, the PIP. And then they're adding this additional $500,000 minimum league salary. This is a $100 million drop that got pushed through the policy board in less than a week. And I think that raises some questions about the mysterious 23rd person in that room in Wilmington last week. It was reported that Colin Neville from the Rain Group was the person that No Laying Ups report called an outside consultant. Now, let's be clear about this. This guy isn't some recent UC Riverside grad working at Accenture <laughs> brought in to present a PowerPoint. This is a big boy merchant banker. And he wasn't brought there by Tiger Woods to show the rest of the guy's TV ratings for when the top players get together. These guys do M&A and capital raises. And oh yeah, they're a private equity firm themselves and they love to hold a big piece of their targets and their clients. They've got a long list of portfolio companies and an even longer list of companies that they've advised through sales and capital raises, including recently the sale of English Premier League football team, Chelsea, for $4.5 billion. Add to all that the fact that the Rain Group was reported as one of the financial backers of the proposed league that now goes by the name of the Premier Golf League and has been trying to get off the ground for over eight years. When Rain was said to be involved with the project, one of the other significant investors was, you guessed it, the Saudi Public Investment Fund. So there's a history there with these guys wanting to get involved in the golf business and involved with the PGA Tour in a format very much like what Liv is now operating under and very much like what we're now hearing about the PGA Tour with Alan Shipnock's reporting of limited field, no-cut events. And remember, although the NLU report said there was no discussion in Delaware about renouncing the tour's 501c6 status, Shipnock has said that's on the table. And the fact that Neville was there leads me to believe his role is to raise funds for these new plans. Whether that can be done under the core's current structure 
maybe with creating some new for-profit subsidiaries remains to be seen. But I think we should all be keeping our eyes and ears out for talk about the Rain Group. Fair enough. So uh, I would have thought I was going to get some Jesse Illuminati talk there, but apparently <laughs> well, that was. <laughs> no. <laughs> how, about, how, how about a little Corleone? I, I put it talk. on a T. I put it on a T. I looked him in the eye, and he was like, oh, "How about a little Corleone no? talk for me?" So it's a little, it's a little Michael Corleone if you're Tiger, and let's say there's this 30 year old thing about the tour, like someone treated him wrong in 1997, and he just put that on the list, right? And he saw the pieces moving together, and he said, "Wait a minute." In about a year or so, this whole thing's going to blow up and they're going to suck all the value out of this and then it can be mine. Because he's known this whole time that he was underpaid. He knew it. He got lots of sponsor money and made $90 million a year off the course, but was winning at a 45% rate. And he's, I mean, he knew. He knew his advisors knew. You think Steinberg didn't know? And they've just kind of always had this just in the back of their mind. What if we got a chance to maybe take a shot at this and just own the whole effort? See, now I'm trying to figure out who was Apollonia. Is Apollonia Elin or is Apollonia one of the Waffle House girls? And and where where was Tiger in his time in Sicily? I don't know. I used to eat at that Perkins. I got no beef. Great pork chops. All right. I think I think we've beaten that part of the announcement to death. There were the two additional announcements. That's the $500,000 earning assurance program and the $5,000 travel stipend. Anything to say about those aspects of the announcement? I, I think it's smart. I think it makes sense. I think it's a good thing to add in a league minimum here. Um, life on tour for a lot of guys is not very glamorous at all. They don't have the live party jet to hop around in with DJ parties and whatnot going on. So I think it's a good thing. I think it's just uh, it, it to me, it would make it more appealing to, to stick around if I if I were a player. So, you know, I'm a big researcher. I like to do my research. Of course. I did look into what kind of effect this plan would have had had it been instituted this year. So the earning assurance program, as a reminder, $500,000 to be paid, and it's to shore up anybody who doesn't make $500,000 in earnings in the season. And it's for fully exempt players, that is KFT graduates and up. And if you are one of those KFT graduates, if you're a rookie or you're a returning player to the PGA Tour, you'll get the 500 up front and then your earnings go against that. This year, if it had been in effect only 25 players would have received money under the program. The highest payout would have gone to Joshua Creel, who would have received $384,024. He's never even year. made my best sheet. He had a tough year. And the lowest amount would have gone to Andrew Landry, who would have received $1,300. The total amount <laughs> $1, and this is 25, coming his way. Put it on this black, is 25 baby. players. It's excluding Peter Uline, who I'm assuming the PGA Tour would find a way to not pay now that he's at <laughs> and a plaintiff in the NDCAL lawsuit. But the 25 remaining players would have received a total of $4,748,745. So under $5 million for this program. And keep in mind that this program replaces the Play 15 program that had been in effect this year. And this year, that program was every tour player who played in 15 events received a payout of $50,000. That's pretty much everyone on tour. Every player in the top 150 of the FedEx standings who didn't get hurt played at least 15. So this new program 
being lauded by some as fair and wise for these young players is actually saving the PGA Tour money over what they paid out this year under the Play 15 program. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean I, that surprises me uh, to hear. I it's a big it's a and, big number thrown out, and it sounds like it will be expensive. But to hear that it probably wouldn't be that expensive most years is kind of shocking. Yeah, and with the purse increases next year, it's going to be even fewer than twenty five players. I, oh. I'd be surprised if it's even three million dollars paid out next year. So, good job uh, by Jay or maybe by Tiger and Rory on that one in making the public and the golf media believe that you're doing something charitable for the bottom half of the tour when you are giving the top 20 players on tour an extra $60 million. You're really not giving the bottom 25 players anything. So kudos, Jay. We love that. All right. Now, in addition to Jay Monahan's announcements on Tuesday, Rory McIlroy, Tiger Woods, and some guy who's formerly of the Golf Channel also had an announcement. OTP Lefty, You've got this one, right? I do. Credit to Rex Hoggard at the Golf Channel. Uh, A new technology-focused golf league led by Tiger Woods, Rory McIlroy, and former Golf Channel president Mike McCarley was unveiled Wednesday. Mike McCarley, of course. Beloved figure. McIlroy and McCarley have partnered with Woods to form TMRW Sports. Tomorrow, Sports outlined a startup that will feature six three-man teams of PGA Tour players competing in made-for-television events, uh, combining virtual technology Love euphemisms and a green complex at custom-built non-green grass venues. 15 regular season matches commence in January 2024. NBC has the option for broadcast rights. Um, A name that was mentioned in another article for whom I cannot give credit because I do not remember it was Dick Ebersol, formerly of NBC Sports, and an incredibly nice man who I spent an afternoon with at Bay Hill in 2002. I've got some questions. Dick for- Ebersol is still alive. You're telling me he's still alive. Yes. Well, how old is Dick Ebersol? He's got to be. Oh, he was 89 and 75, buddy. Sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, before we get to the non-green grass aspect. Of I've got this, some questions for you guys. Of this sim golf I, experience. I have a lot uh, of thoughts about this topic. Yeah, I want to talk about the money. So it says that Tiger and Rory and Mike McCarley are the partners. Do any of us believe that those are the three guys who wrote the checks for whatever this project is? Like how much how much equity do you think Tiger and Rory have and how much of the initial funding do you think they put in? I have a hunch that their part is going to be earned. It's on the like the option side or the or the the future side of this deal. Yeah. So I did a little research and TMRW or tomorrow, as I'm told, is how we're supposed to pronounce it, seems to be a subsidiary of a company that was formed, a corporation in Delaware, I think a few months earlier. It's called Next Gen Sports. And of course, we don't know who is behind this Delaware corporation. But again, as I suspect, I, I would be very surprised if the money men in this scenario are McCarley Woods and McElroy, and I would be not at all surprised if somebody from the Rain Group, perhaps Colin Neville, or perhaps the Rain Group itself, was involved in some aspect of Next Gen Sports. That's something I'd like to keep an eye yeah. on. More, more. So from, let's talk about yeah. the Top Golf. I mean, I love Sim Golf. I can't wait. This reminds me a lot of American Gladiators from the photos that I've seen of, of what they're expecting to do. What do you guys think? Are you excited about this? So uh, I yeah, go ahead. I'd like to start if if you don't mind OTP, I'd like to start with what I what I hope it could be. And then I I've got some thoughts about what I what I fear it's going to be. I, I'm exactly with you, Duffer. Like I, what I hope it is is this casual 
made for TV, fun atmosphere, guys in t-shirts, shorts, hitting shots, trying to do cool things, flipping clubs upside down, hitting left-handed, hitting from their knees, you know, side bets, challenging each other to doing weird things, all that kind of fun stuff. I would love, love, love to see that happen. Um, Unfortunately, what what I... It's not going to be serious. I mean, everything that I've heard is that it's going to be done in two hours. It's going to be a quick primetime thing. Like how It's got to be irreverent, right? It may not be good, but it certainly won't be stuffy. You can't imagine it's going to be stuffy. Stuffy is not the right word, but overproduced two-hour-long commercial for OEMs and social media influencers and other products like PuttView, Shot Tracer, TrackMan, whatever other products that Rain Group is going to push into. I'm sorry, whatever uh, products (laughs) Tomorrow Sports are going to push into this thing. Like That's what I worry about is it's just going to be this overproduced basically two hour long commercial for all of these technologies and products and and equipment and clothing. And it'll allow a space for uh, 8am golf and Malbon and all these, a lot of virtual reality. There's going to be, I mean, it's going to be NFTs are probably going to be part of this. And it's just, I, (laughs) I just, I, I just, I worry it's going to end up being a two hour long commercial in a place for people to hawk their products while uh, my uh, thing is I'm worried that you'll worry because I don't have any doubt that it's going to be garbage. It's going to be absolute garbage, but I also have no doubt that people are going to watch it. I think more people will watch the premiere of whatever the tomorrow sports show is than watch the final round of the century tournament of champions in its, in its first $15 million event. What do you think will have more staying power? If so, the only thing that's going to save this thing though is like Tiger Woods potentially being added all the time or you know, seen on site because otherwise, this thing has got like the staying power of like shot makers or holy moly. Oh, well, on aren't ABC. we assuming that Tiger will be? I mean, Tiger's going to play in this thing. I mean, that's what Tiger's I think that's how he sees his future. He does sim golf to tune up for the majors, right? He doesn't have to go anywhere, he doesn't have to walk 18 holes, he's just pounding a ball into a plastic screen and putting for two hours once a week. And that's a no-brainer. I mean, he from everything I understand, he still hits balls like crazy, right? This is just practice time. Yeah, I mean, okay. and if I were trying to generate capital and, and more investors to come into this thing, I would certainly imply that Tiger was going to be heavily involved and seen in it. But, I, you know, I don't know. I'm not certain he will. I assume he will. But And, and for that reason, it should should outlast shot makers and uh, holy moly and other by the way, this this brings us back to was Phil right? Of course, Phil was right. This is exactly what Phil wanted to be able to do. He wanted to have events like this and the match. He wanted to be able to put on things, experiment with different kinds of golf, and the PGA Tour either wouldn't let him or wanted to charge him more than Phil thought was fair every time he had one of these ideas. There's no doubt that Tiger is getting the very best of terms from the PGA Tour. Yeah. Because what Tiger wants, Tiger gets. All right. So-, so in the article, it says McElroy is quoted as saying that this has been in development for over two years. So, Jesse scored. Do you think that Rory and Tiger passed on live because the upside of TGL is potentially bigger? I don't know how you I, I mean, I don't know how you could say upside. I think it's probably more just the the public relations risk just outweighed it and they thought they could get something close. But I also think just the untapped potential. Like again, I'm picturing like nfts generated during a tgl event coming out and all of that kind of stuff so theoretically i you know the upside could be there but i guess it depends on how you're measuring upside right if you're just talking monetary or more than that um but two years of development and and we don't have a huge amount of details we got some pretty exciting renderings i guess of the arena um i hope somebody has a 
tennis ball cannon to fire at them while they're trying to chip out of a bunker. But um, yeah, like I said, I, I, I love it. It's got a very American gladiator feel to me. And I love the idea for like tie breaks doing some sort of American gladiator thing. Like maybe we get some of those really ripped American gladiator type women to somehow put on like a, an Elon mask or a Caroline Wozniacki mask and like have plastic <laughs> golf clubs. <laughs> okay. You know, when they beat them as they're, as they're running through the course. I okay. want to see like glow in the dark golf and like strobe you're not lights. See any oh, well, that's coming. I mean, you're, that's exactly what you're going to see. You're not going to see I mean, any of, of that because this is, these are still class acts, you guys. So, how many, you think how many people be playing like the old course? And just how like, many people watch Sunday afternoon golf? Do you know in raw numbers, millions? Yeah. Tell me. Three, between three and four. Three and four million? Okay. Yeah. So regular Monday night ratings on NBC. If it's The Voice, it's seven million. If it's anything else, it's three and a half. So they're going to be right in the middle of that number in prime time. Got to be a, it's got to be an improvement, right? Well, no. I mean, three three and a half million viewers on a Sunday is worth a little bit more than three and a half million viewers on, on a, a Monday. Tuesday night, I think. Yeah. Is Tiger Woods a bigger star than Blake Shelton? Well, of course. Of course he is. Okay. And Blake Shelton if makes the, if the $13 product is million even, dollars a season from NBC for The Voice. Sure. Sure. But people love the product and they don't tune in only to see Blake Shelton and whomever Gwen Stefani or whomever the current hosts are, but also the the potential talent. I don't think we're going to, we're going to get that potential talent. It's just going to be Tiger over and over. And I think there's absolutely going to be an initial appetite in seeing Tiger Woods pound the ball into a golf sim first week for sure. Second week, definitely. But my question is, is this going to be able to sustain 36 weeks? Tiger, as we've seen in the match and elsewhere, his personality is not necessarily magnetic or charismatic. I don't think he's the kind of guy that his banter is going to carry this show. So, yeah, I mean, I think this could be something in a limited sense. Maybe if they did it four to six times a year, if this is going to be on every week and it's going to be Tiger and Rory every week, I have my doubts that it's going to be a lasting success, but it'll certainly bring viewers in initially. Thank you. I think that's fair. Also, the 15 events have to be closely aligned with the 12 elevated events in the four majors. <laughs> <laughs> Cutting into precious practice time. And, well, and I'm, also I'm sure these and that won't correspond with the with the schedules of any other sport. So they can't pivot to like, oh, and we're going to have Steph Curry and Charles Barkley on tonight, you know, to be on Tiger's team because they've already committed to PGA Tour Listen. players. In a show, a guy like a guy like Mike McCarley is going to be able to figure that out. He's going to be able to figure that stuff out. He's going to be a. Did you say Mike? You didn't say Mike McCarthy, did you? Mike McCarley. Mike McCarley. Get out. Mike McCarley. They'll figure it out. They'll find non-green grass arenas (laughs) to to get this played wherever they are in Houston. Okay, We're, we're we're getting close on time. Can I get a couple extra questions in? Like. Who are the announcers going to be for Tiger Golf League? Give me your wish list, Jesse Score. Oh, you're putting me on the spot. Well, so, and that's, when I think about this thing, I feel like it's going to need to have more interesting, charismatic people to help carry carry it. Because, again, Tiger is not, with a hot mic, Tiger's not going to be all that interesting for that long. So I feel like the the hosts, the MCs need to be interesting. Is it, did it, I, did, I maybe missed this detail earlier. Are the players playing in it? Do they need to be PGA Tour members? Is that locked in? Is that just speculation? 
Well, it was announced that it's a partnership with the PGA Tour, so I assume that it's probably not going to be a lot of live guys. Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy, <laughs> who seem to be pretty yep. firmly in the PGA Tour camp right now, are probably not going to be recruiting a well, lot. Well, no, of what I was thinking more camp. so was you know golf adjacent people, celebrities. Sure, I have in the no mix, doubt Steph Curry. Thing. Steph Curry will be getting in there. Justin Timberlake, I, you know that right kind of thing. Right now, it says three teams of six or six teams of three PGA players. Well, there you go. But, oh. you know, maybe we'll have a. a I mean, father son. Game. I would Charles Lady Barkley Gaga say yes to this? Worse than anything, it's not going to happen. I mean, immediately. I mean, would Charles Barkley say yes to this? I mean, I love the TNT NBA crew a ton, and like to me, that's the the pinnacle of of a broadcast. God, team. I, I've got to tell you, I've already talked more about this nonsense than I would like to <laughs> for the rest of my entire life. But sure, I've got so sure. much more. Like. Uh, <laughs> Like they've got a, they're going to have a hydraulic green that replicates conditions. Like, what do you think the format yes. of the game is going to be? There's dynamic I mean, the, bunkering, green changes. I love it. Like, just make it chaos. Get a windmill out there and putt through it. No. I hope we can bring all of these exciting innovations in sim golf to our local clubs, and, and maybe we can get a league going where we all pretend to be Tiger Woods and I Rory McIlroy. Absolutely hate hitting balls into a screen. It's awesome. Me too. All right. That, that's enough about that. It, it's a terrible idea. It's probably the product of Mike McCarley <laughs> and Colin Neville. And, and honestly, group. maybe Mike McCarthy. All right. Do we, do we have anything else? Well, I just, you know, I, to, to, to me, the, the TGL thing feels like the, the OEM branch of the Golf Illuminati coming into play on this game of chess that, that we're watching here. Um, so, th- I, you know, I'm interested to see how that plays out. So, at the end of the day, I think it's just a way to try to pump OEM bucks in here and, and get them on board with the uh, with the, uh, the 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 Golf Illuminati's agenda. There was some discussion on the Twitter today about who these potential rumored seven new joinees to Live Golf oh, will yes. be announced on Monday. It seems everyone is very confident at this point that Cam Smith will be one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Solly from No Laying Up today apparently got tipped off that if you plugged several players' names into the Live Golf ticket website, you mm-hmm. could get a discount. Those names included Joaquin Neiman, Cameron Tringali, Young. Leishman, Smith, Harold Varner III. Annabelle Lahiri. Lahiri, that's right. These tough names. Another tough name for me. And then some of those rumors seem to be debunked. Uh, Neiman himself was interviewed after his round today, and he said, which I thought was remarkably honest, that he was still thinking about it, <laughs> and the decision has not been made. So he's it's clearly a possibility, but as as far as he's letting on, he has not made a final decision yet. So come on over. Neiman is up we'll in the We'll set air. you free. Yeah, I heard a couple of people saying a little bit uh, surprised to not see Hideki's name being validated by rumors based on uh, free ticket promo codes. But a lot of people saying after, uh, you know, that's more of a 2023 thing and not to expect anything from Hideki anytime soon. So, but again, yeah, I still really just laugh. When- some, people, some people seem to think Hideki just really wants to play in the President's Cup. Same could be said potentially for Adam Scott. We won't know until we know. I'm kind of over the speculation at this point. I'll be excited if there are announcements on Monday. I'll be excited to see the players that I see next week. But you know what we get is what we get. I look forward to the point when we've got teams finalized, we've got team names finalized, yeah. and we can all really start to develop an allegiance to our team. I, of course, I have the four aces, and I, I believe that team's going to stick together forever because they've, they've, you know, they've been a foundational 
just a, just a rock for me in my life as a sports fan. So I'd hate to see mm-hmm. the four aces broken up. But beyond that, I'm open to seeing what happens. We've got our credentials. We're headed to Boston next week. I've got the plane ticket booked. We're going to be on site. Credentials. We're going to round up some interviewees. We're going to talk to some fans. We're going to do some remote podcasting. We're going to see if we can join the media elite in the media center. Apparently, there's that robot that travels through the media, media center handing out uh, soft drinks and water. So I'm really looking forward to meeting him. And uh, if you guys have, if anyone has any questions, they'd like me to lodge in the press room, in the press conferences next week, you can forward them to me uh, publicly at Twitter. If I find them annoying, I will block you. Some people have have expressed some displeasure with the frequency of my blocks on Twitter. You should be aware that if I find you at all annoying or irritating, I will block you. (laughs) It's nothing really personal. Uh, it's just my thing. Yes. And in, so, and, and anything that, else, in guys? That, oh, in that spirit, thank you for listening in the 61st minute now. <laughs> but um, we love you. Thank you. Yeah, Please subscribe, like, give us five stars. Yes. But don't annoy me on Twitter or I'll block you. That's Do not tweet saying. anything even questionable. <laughs> I'm going to start working on my, my questions, hopefully for the interview with the uh, beverage butler Roomba. And I hope uh, <laughs> I hope I hope you travel safe out there. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of the the inside the ropes action as a from the perspective of a credentialed media member. All right, we'll see you next week. No food. Take care.